Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And with us today as our special guest is <laughs> an old friend of mine from NYU, Amy Shaughnessy. Hi, Amy. Yay. Hello. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited. Yay. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Amy and I last saw each other in London when I was over there working for a little while and she was living there for a little while. Yes. And, you know, working and all that stuff, too. But <laughs> Amy's a dual citizen. I was just a visitor. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a couple fun times. We went to see shows and lunches and dinners. It was so nice, Caleb. We hadn't it seen each so other for so long before that. So long. And so I'm extra glad to, like, have you here. I was thinking, who are my parenthood buddies at NYU? And it was definitely Amy was one of them. Right here. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. So, Amy, tell us about Team Shaughnessy. Team Shaughnessy. My goodness. Um, so I have two younger sisters, mom and dad, grew up in Los Angeles, very heavily involved in the entertainment industry over here. I was doing it with you also because having listened to this podcast, my extended families are also bananas. My dad is one of two. He has a brother and he's English. And will you, I just because I know Melissa will freak out about oh, yeah. it. Can you tell us who your dad's brother is? My dad's brother is my uncle Charlie, Charles Shaughnessy, who you may know as Mr. Sheffield from The Nanny. I am Maxwell Sheffield. That's so cool. That I also got to say that I know him uh, from Days of Our Lives because. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he when he was on Days of Our Lives, that's actually how my parents met. He introduced really? his brother to the head writer at the time, who was my mother. So oh my he, gosh! My parents. Oh, I love Days that. Of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> that's so and, cool. Uh, my mom is very Braverman esque. Is one of seventeen children. Oh Whoa. my gosh! Oh, that is what the Bravermans really—that whole family of so many people and so much chaos—is very much the Shutley side of my family, which is my. Is mom's that a family. blended family or, or no? Wow! Single, what? One mom, one dad, seventeen single births. Why didn't they have single a reality births. show? Single births. <laughs> That's amazing. Single births. Oh my god! Yeah. Italian wow. Catholic. So it's what happens wow. when you don't wow. believe in birth control. <laughs> yeah. 40 plus Man. cousins. Like it's cute. Two family reunions that were bananas and just a lot of people. But the Bravermans always remind me of, of that side. Just a lot of chaos and a lot of love and a lot of insanity. That's lovely. <laughs> I bet. I love that. Yeah. Well, I debated like telling you this because it might be cheesy, but I think I will tell you. Uh, so Charles Shaughnessy, your uncle, was um, the like feature actor at this Kansas City like new theater. It's called. Mm -hmm. My husband and I took our moms um, for Christmas. I think it was ten years ago, like 2011, and it was called Game Show, and it was very cool because God, I remember that. Yeah, you do. Oh, <laughs> yeah, fun. I remember when he did that. Yeah, they took like audience members up, and I was one of the audience members, so I no did way. very poorly on this fake game show. Yeah, <laughs> but my both both of our moms were very excited and they were sort of fanning themselves because they both had crushes on him. So, That's so sweet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember when he did that. He does a lot of theater stuff. He's at the Ogunquit right now doing spam a lot. So oh, he does a fun. lot of like regional theater stuff, which he loves to do. So I love that. And to tie it into parenthood. Charlie and I both share, share a, birthday a birthday with Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> I knew that. I remember that, Caleb. I don't have a lot of celebrity birthdays that I love sharing with. You know, it's like Joe <laughs> Pesci, Mia Farrow. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> but um, I love Carol King yeah. and I love Michael That's B. Jordan one. and That's I love Mr. One. Sheffield. You've got 
some good ones. You've got some good. My only one that I like really just like will ride till the day I die is I share a birthday with Dolly Parton. So like, <gasps> you should oh, ride that's, that. That's a good one. Can Ever. you top that one? I don't think so. Happy birthday to you. Okay, so that's your team. Can you tell us about your history with the show Parenthood? Yeah, of course. So I there's a few shows that I've watched. <clears throat> excuse me, from beginning to end, like every night when it aired. The first one was Desperate Housewives. That was the first show I watched, like from the moment it aired till the night of the finale. Parenthood was one of those shows. I watched it. I don't even, oh, I, I loved Friday Night Lights. Oh, yes. I was a huge Friday Night Lights <laughs> fan. And then when Parenthood came about, I was like, oh, I'll check this out because it's the same people and I love Friday Night Lights. So then I, that was the show that I watched every week, every <laughs> night that it came out from the episode one all the way to the finale. And then I think when it came out, it was like sort of when Hulu was starting and all that kind of like you could catch up and watch stuff again. So I'd watch episodes again and I'd go back and forth. And I, you know, I just love these characters. There's a lot of storylines that I really relate to in my own life. There's alcoholism in the family and there's people that have special needs and all that kind of stuff. So all of those storylines, just that's why I love it so much. Yes. And it's funny that you mentioned Hulu because I remember back in the day, I would either not be able to see the episode as it aired on Tuesday night. And so Sunday nights, I would I did this gig called the old fashioned piano party that was Sunday nights and I would I, get home. Oh. Yeah, you you were there many times. <laughs> I was there. I loved it. And I would get home like one or two in the morning. And then as I would go to bed, I would pull up Hulu on my laptop and watch that week's parenthood. I would either do that to catch the episode I missed or I would just watch it again because yeah. then it became sort of a tradition. And so even if I had been home during the week and seen it, I would just watch it again. And yeah. I think that is what cemented a lot of my passion for the show was because I was like digesting it faster than they could even produce them. <laughs> they could give it to you. Yeah, yeah. that makes yeah. sense. So I was frequently watching them multiple times a week as yeah. they aired. Yeah, it's a comfort blanket. And it's like those, you go to bed every night and like watch a sitcom just to like make yourself happy. But I could go to bed and just watch a Parenthood episode. It's dramatic yeah. and as much as it is, it's like I don't need to detox with a Brooklyn Nine-Nine after. Like I'm good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I can't wait to dive into this episode with you. Yay. Thank you for being here. Of course. We are discussing Parenthood Season 3, Episode 6, Tales from the Luncheonette. It was written by Carrie Aaron, directed by Allison Liddy Brown, it originally aired on October 18th, 2011, and here's the NBC synopsis. <laughs> Christina exhausts herself by diving back into supermom mode while Adam and Crosby prepare their new music studio in hopes of impressing their first potential client, CeeLo Green. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zeke plants doubts in Julia and Joel's adoption plan, and Drew takes advice from Amber to move forward with Amy. Meanwhile, Mark Sear continues to feel uneasy with Seth's involvement in Sarah's life. I'm just now realizing that this synopsis had two meanwhiles. That's a little sloppy. <laughs> wow. Come on, NBC wow. publicity. Yeah. <laughs> Word choice. Out. Come yeah. on, come yeah. on. Yeah. Well, oh fun God. fact, from reviewing episodes prior to this, this appears to be the first episode of the series, both written and directed by women. Oh my God, I'm so happy to be here for this episode. Yes, landmark. Yeah. Let's go. I love it. So this episode kicks off with a very intense scene that I remember vividly. Let's take a listen. What happened? Just dumb bar fight. Who gets in a dumb bar fight anymore? You're not 18. Oh, thank you for taking care of me. 
You're always looking out for me, huh? I appreciate it. When is this gonna stop? It's just a stupid bar fight. No, no, no. Don't smoke. Don't smoke in the house. Hey, are the kids here? I'd like to take them to breakfast or something. Are you crazy? I mean, are they here? Or did they eat already? Do you know what you look like? You need help. Yeah, you're right. I gotta go. Wait, do you know that? Do you know how many years I've been cleaning you up? If you don't get help, you can't see these children anymore. If I have to get a restraining order, then that's hey, what just I will calm do. No, down, I will not calm down. Please. Your life is a mess. Look at yourself. Your life is a mess, and I'm done picking up after you. Why don't you see what I see? You're bleeding, and you want to take your children to breakfast? You have to go to rehab, or you're not seeing them again. That's it. I'm done. You know, Lauren Graham, for me, when she does her dramatic acting, is, like, so interesting compared to what she normally does. She's a comedic person, and so... I really liked her in that scene. There's another scene coming up later in the episode that I think is actually her best scene in the episode, which is the one with Julia, which we'll get to. But her, I think she plays it really subtle. Like there's a, it's a breaking point between like wanting to kill him, but then wanting to be understanding. There's such, she plays that line so well of like, she's just tired of it. She's just exhausted with it. I, I don't know. I just, I love her I, in this whole episode. I think she's so good. And I've also written in my notes. Also, she has the bluest eyes. What? Yeah. They're it's piercing. freaky sometimes. Like, yeah. she, like, does she have corrective lens, like blue lenses in their piercing? They are. They are beautiful. I remember on the Gilmore Girls box sets, which of course I own, she and Alexis Bledel, both of them, their their photos. I'm like, this is insane. Those blue <laughs> eyes. Just, oh. I yeah, love that but... you mentioned the exhaustion yeah. because the line that I remember most vividly is when she says, when is this going to stop? Yeah. And then yeah. that she has to say, no, all this yeah. has yeah. to stop. And I... I mean, I can't even completely articulate why it strikes me so powerfully. I just think that the idea you would have in your head about dealing with that in your family would be this big, tragic, sad thing. And yes, it would be that. But I also think, God, there would just be an element of like annoyance <laughs> and inconvenience. Like I am so sick of dealing with this, of getting a random phone call and where are you this time? And what do I have to put on hold while yeah. I deal with whatever crap you're dealing with? This is a real pain in my ass. Yeah. And then it also, it just feels like such a helpless thing to say because there's nothing she can do about it. Right. It's on him. Yeah. And he's got to change it. 
she can be there for him. She can help him, but she can't get him over it. So interesting too, that divorce doesn't end it, you know, like they're not even a couple and she's still doing this. But it's that tie to the kids. It's like, she can't release that. And it's almost more like powerful and scary when she gets quiet like that, rather than like get loud and scream at yeah. him. It's like, oh, definitely. When is this gonna stop? Like the the quietness of it. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> I don't. <Yeah. laughs> That's scarier to me when people get like that than when they get violent. Yeah. And totally. This is maybe not the same, but I like I've been in two car wrecks in my life, and both times, and I was not hurt. I should. In, in either of them. Yeah, preface it. <laughs> if I had been, I probably would have had different reactions than I did. But my most vivid memory of how I reacted to them was just feeling really put out. Like, ugh. Mm. Well, yeah. now I have to deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> Not like, oh, I'm so relieved that I can still walk and breathe and live. No, it's like, um, I'm on my way to an event and now yeah. I'm going to be late. Yeah, <laughs> the inconvenience of it all. Really, I it, got enough things to deal is. with. Now like, I got this to deal. With. You yeah. know, my life's on one track, and then some things just demand that you pay attention to them. Yeah, I also thought that that scene was interesting because of the range. Like at the beginning of it, John Corbett is so like tender with her to a degree that I almost find surprising, just given their relationship in the previous season, where they felt pretty solidly like exes, you saw the chemistry between them, but it never really veered into the romantic. At least I didn't think so. But in this episode and the previous one, you know, there's this element of like, you came or like, you're always taking care of me, like kisses her hand. When he kisses her hand, I was going to say the hand kissing thing. I was like, very (laughs) intimate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what is happening? And I, I don't know, maybe that's just what happens or maybe his drinking puts him back in a different frame of mind where he's not so focused on moving on, moving forward. Maybe he's more like remembering old patterns. I don't know, but that was so interesting. And then they're fighting in a way that feels probably reminiscent of the way they would fight when they were together. So yeah. it did feel very couple-y, the whole, the whole thing. I can see why uh, Mark Sear feels uncomfortable. <laughs> Busted, even smoking. Uh, Is this a new playwright? I can thing? quit any time I want. It's, uh, <laughs> smoking in bed, that's pretty serious. They're not mine, so. What do you mean? It's. <laughs> Who are they? Uh, they're sets. Um, Let me explain. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? I was going to tell you this, and we just got distracted. Um, <laughs> he got—he was very drunk. He got in a fight. He called okay. me. I went to get him, and he just—I just brought him back here for a couple hours. And he slept to, here. And where did you sleep? It was just to sober up, and I slept here in my clothes only Next for a couple him. of hours. Yeah. Okay. And Is there something no. going on with oh you? Oh my guys God, no! You need to tell. You can just tell me anything. No. I'm done helping him. The fact that your ex-husband slept here and you yeah. slept there and there's cigarettes, even as a trusting person, it's just hard for me not to get bumped by that. I adore you. I wouldn't. Controversial opinion. Yes. I don't, lo- I don't love Mark and Sarah together. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, like, fighting words. I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> no, I love okay. I love Jason Ritter and I love the character of Mark. 
there's something about their relationship that I've just never been like super on board with. I don't know. It's always felt kind of strange to me. Is it the age difference or do you think it's something else? It's probably a little bit the age difference, but like for me with Sarah, I've like every, from the moment you've met her, like I've always just been like, she needs somebody like older and stable and has his shit together just Mm. to like take care of her and help. Like, not that Mark couldn't take care of her and isn't stable and everything, but there's something in where I'm like, she's got to have somebody that's just like has all their stuff together for her because she has so much chaos in her life. She needs someone to ground her. And Mark, I guess with the age thing, Mark just feels like, he's in a different point. He's a younger guy. He wants, he should play the field. You know, I don't know. There's just something about them has never really clicked for me. I don't know what it is. Very controversial. I know. I apologize. <laughs> well, fair enough though. I, yeah. Stir in the thank pot. you for sharing. <laughs> I mean, I love them, but I do get that. I, I see what you're saying about them being in different places and maybe wanting maybe even different things or like in this episode I totally understood like I said before why he's uncomfortable yeah but I also thought ooh, maybe that would be an instance of her needing someone maybe more secure you know like like who yeah didn't maybe immediately feel like oh this is a threat romantically because I don't think that it is although at the same time I don't I don't blame him it would be a little bit jarring to learn this way. Oh, they slept next to each other in the same bed. And I don't I don't know what the right answer is. I think that's probably fine, but oh, that's a that's a tricky one, I think. And maybe you yeah. tell him immediately. You don't let him find the cigarettes, you know? You <laughs> maybe at the Although end. I appreciated in this scene immensely that when he found them, there was no lying on Sarah's part. Right. Like you could very easily imagine a version of a TV show like this yeah. where she goes, oh, I was, and she comes up with some stupid lie because she just doesn't want to involve him or she thinks that he, it will freak him out, so she tries to conceal it. Yeah. And then it just blows up later, and then the issue is, why did you never tell me? I mean, and to be fair, I feel like Parenthood does those kinds of storylines. They do their fair share of them. Yeah. But I appreciate it that <laughs> This wasn't mostly one. with Crosby's. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's like Crosby's trajectory is like, I'll deal with it later. And then there's an explosion. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I liked that it was just that she didn't lie. She immediately said, Let me explain. Mm-hmm. He would ask a question, she would answer it. Yeah. It felt very adult. Although she did say I'm done helping him and then the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, and then just you proved that. help him immensely. So, but yeah. okay, yeah. Sarah, sure. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> with that exception, it was it was very uh, forthright on both their parts. And I should yeah. mention before I was like, maybe she needed somebody more secure. But to be fair, there is security in being able to be insecure, you know, like in him expressing vulnerability and discomfort without ever shaming her or guilt tripping her or like, you know, I don't think he's jealous in a way that's like angry or entitled. You know, he's just yeah. like, this feels strange. <laughs> I'm having yeah. a hard time. Well, there's with this. that there's that scene in the car later, which I don't know if you're going to get to where he's like, I understand, like, I don't expect anything less from you than to help him, but I don't like it. Like, yeah. it's very, yeah, like, it's that. very clear. Like, I get why you're doing this, but I have to be honest and say, like, I don't love it. I'm not, yeah. I'm not yeah. 100% on board. <laughs> I took note that that exact line, it felt to me like a good example of non-toxic masculinity that might not even be the right word because I don't know that that's a masculine trait per se but I think you know what I mean that yeah he was yeah there was some jealousy or insecurity 
but it felt really human and he wasn't denying it. And yeah, like you said, Melissa, he wasn't projecting it onto Sarah in any weird way. He was just saying, this is how I feel about it. And I'm not saying that anything has to happen because of the way I feel about it. You just need to know what it is. Because like if he... I wouldn't have believed someone who said, I think that's great. I'm so happy you're going <laughs> to yeah. get wrapped up in this. That, you guys <laughs> I were sleeping that. in the same bed? How nice. Yeah. That's cozy. so sweet. <laughs> but I would have disliked him if he'd like tried to forbid her right. from helping. Yeah. I'd be like, that's not your place. Yeah. So I feel like what he did was perfect to say like I understand to be honest I don't like it you know these are all reasons why I love him like I mean I really do think like this is he's I like him as a person I I totally get the distinction too like really liking a character and not necessarily thinking that character is right for he's charming and quirky and cute and I think he's adorable I just don't love him with her fair (laughs) totally fair well let me get your thoughts on this scene, which I called Sarah and the Rents. So how many times has he tried to get clean? I don't know. A lot. This is different. How? Why? Because every other time he's tried to get sober, he's tried to do it by himself. This time he's saying he wants help. He's going to rehab. Oh, man, why aren't we throwing him a party? Okay. Oh, well, it is It is different. Sarah, he's playing you. Well, that's not fair. Come on, let's just listen. You know, I don't even owe you an explanation, okay? He's made a decision for himself, for his family. He's looked into places. He would be there today, Mm -hmm. but there's a waiting list at the state facility, and the private facilities are expensive, and he's figuring that out. Okay, here it comes. Here it is. What is here? What what is coming? He's working you for money. He's not working me for money. Oh, honey, please, Sarah. My God. Your loser ex-husband shows up after all this time and what? He decides he's got to clean up his act, but oh, oh, there's a problem. I need some money. So where's it going to go? Got to come from you. He has not asked me for one penny. Not yet. I'm done with this. So. And you know what, Dad? Actually, I don't care if you believe in him or not, because I do. I believe he can change. I really do. Don't give her any money, Camille. I don't have any money. <laughs> I don't have any money. Killed me. That was. I was like, Camille, I love you. That was such an <laughs> unexpected line. I really enjoyed I it. I loved it too. And I wondered, did it feel like a dig to you at Zeke's mishandling of their finances? Oh, in the past? it didn't. But now oh, that you say that, I, I didn't even. I'm think not about sure that. it was meant that way at all. But I. <laughs> I find it I a hope fun it was. interpretation <laughs> to be like, I don't have any money since you fucking blew it on you that property up north <laughs> and your second family up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This scene really like Zeke's attitude in this scene really blew my mind because like I wrote in my notes, Zeke has kind of been Seth's defender for quite some time. Like with the drinking thing, he was like, oh, he's just like, he's not an alcoholic. Like he's just a bad guy, but he's not that, you know, he was, he's always been like kind of dismissive of Seth, Mm. I feel. And then all of a sudden he's like, this guy's terrible. He's trying to take your money. And you're like, I've never seen him feel so strongly and hate 
Seth so much, except in this moment, like all of a sudden it feels like a switch was turned on. I don't know if you guys felt that way. Well, I always interpreted his dismissiveness of Seth to be dismissiveness of alcoholism. Mm. Like like you said, oh, it's not that he is an addict, it's that he's a bad guy. Mm. Okay. And yet he did, ha- you know, it was Zeke who encouraged Seth to call Drew on Thanksgiving and right. told Drew that Drew had every right to miss him. Yeah. So I do think Zeke has some nuance in his view of Seth. But I think he's a little unenlightened about addiction issues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and thinks that they're a character flaw, not a, a condition or yeah. a disease that yeah. has to be dealt with. I yeah. also think that he's very sensitive when it comes to Seth's treatment of Sarah. And so while he can maybe be objective about Drew needs a relationship with his father, he uses words like loser, you know, I can't even remember other ones, but there was an episode where Sarah called him the love of her life, not even in an impassioned way, just like, you know, well, he was the love of my life. And I think maybe Zeke calls him a son of a bitch or something like that. It was just mm, like yeah. interesting, the polar opposites of how they see this, this man, which totally makes sense. Someone who's charming and talented but also prone to, you know, all these troubles. And, you know, it makes sense that people would have wildly different um, feelings you, about him. Yeah. yeah. And that maybe yeah. even the, they'd be housed within the same person, you know, like Sarah yeah. has many conflicting opinions, I think, about him. Yeah. Well, and what I loved about this scene was that I definitely thought that Zeke's reaction was unhelpful and a little bit uh-huh. irrational. <laughs> yeah. Toxic masculinity. Yeah. And yet I also put, I'm like, I'm trying to have compassion for Zeke and I'm succeeding. It makes sense to me because, and I, I think it's really, this is like where that sense of history that Lauren Graham and John Corbett have really pays off. Because now this discussion, as an extension of it, it felt to me like how many times have they had this exact same conversation where Sarah has to answer for her deadbeat boyfriend or husband or ex-husband, ex, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And for Zeke, I imagine it would be really triggering. And it's like it reminded me of when Amber chewed Seth out and said, I've heard it all before. And I have a hard time imagining you've changed. Believing it, yeah. And I'm sure Zeke's heard it all before. And the outcome every time is his daughter gets hurt. And so I think it just puts him on high alert. And he's trying to guard against that with all his might. But then that closes him off to really hearing what Sarah is asking of him. Yeah. And that's not good either because Sarah needs him. And in his effort to protect her, he's kind of not there for her. Right. Which seems to be his MO quite a few, (laughs) a lot. Yeah. I think he thinks I know the way to help, but I'm only going to do the way I know. Yeah. And then when, even when someone's in front of him saying, I need help in a different way, he has trouble adjusting. Adjusting. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. I was curious, why do you guys think now, like, I keep imagining this probably happens all the time where she's like, I can't do this anymore. Is this the first time she's given an ultimatum? Like, you can't see the kids if you don't go to rehab. It just, this may sound silly, but it almost felt a little easy to me. Um, They have one fight, and then the next time he sees her, he's like, yeah, okay, I'll go to rehab. And I'm like, I guess we didn't see the 20 years before that. And so maybe it's not easy. It just seems that way because the first time we see him drunk, 
he agrees to do this. But I, I just I wondered if either of you had a different take or a similar take. It's interesting. I never really thought about it until you said it. Like we've heard about the patterns that he's done, but we haven't seen it. So we know that there's been like, I'll go to rehab, go to rehab, get drunk again. Da, da, da. Like we we've seen we've heard about the cycle, but yeah. it's like we come into it and then all of a sudden it's solved so fast. I don't know. I mean, I would think maybe the threat of like, I will get a restraining order. And that's he she's probably never said something like that because then he was like, get calm down. Like that sort of triggered him to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And she's like, no, I'm serious. I'm done with this. Yeah. So maybe that was enough for him to be shaken into some kind of reality. But yeah, yeah it's I I've was surprised yeah. that he hadn't gone to rehab before. I mean, that in this episode, she says he's always tried to do it himself. And I, I interpreted that as not like, oh, he took himself to rehab, no. but that he just like cold turkey tried to tried to do it. Yeah. Stop. And that was surprising to me. But I mean, I suppose everyone would have a first time that they go to rehab. And if that's the case, then this is a very big step. Was it the last episode where he revealed that the band ditched him yeah. too? Yeah, when he's in the alley. So maybe that was part of it. Like, oh, I lost my job, essentially. And then I turned to my ex-wife for help because I know she'll always give it to me. And she does, but she says, I can't see the kids. Yeah. I don't know. It maybe. feels but like I a, agree. It, it does feel a little like. Yeah, because it feels like Melissa's saying like it does. It feels like a rock bottom, but it also feels like the same rock bottom that yeah. he's come to multiple times. So why is this rock bottom any different than the mm -hmm. other rock bottom? Yeah. It's like, yeah. there's not much like you lost your job and you got into a fight and you went to your ex-wife. It's like that feels like those were the three steps you've taken again and again and again based on right. Sarah's reaction to it. Like, yeah. here we go again. Yeah. So yeah, it's I'm yeah, that's an interesting I didn't think about it. Like what is what's the trigger this time that's like, all right, fine, I'll get help. I don't know. You know, my dad was an alcoholic, but he got sober before I was born and never relapsed. So it's interesting. It's not something I lived with. It's just like a part of his history. But I know what made him go to rehab and AA he couldn't write anymore. He was a writer. He had a column. And it was interesting because before that, my mom divorced him. And after he was sober, they remarried and they had me. But it wasn't my mom leaving. It was him realizing he couldn't work. So Amy, when you just said, oh, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. I think he just kept telling himself, I'm fine. Everyone else is overreacting. And then when he couldn't do the thing he loved to do the most, and so you mentioning, oh, you know, he was kicked out of the band. That felt like his entire identity in season two when we saw him last, you know, that might be part of why this time might be different. I'm not sure if that's happened before or not. That's interesting. Well, and that seems to be a theme in the show in general is like the relationships between like husbands and wives and parents and kids. But there's always, in my opinion, throughout the whole series, like an underlying theme of who the individual character is. Yeah. Like no spoilers, but coming up with Camille <laughs> and Zeke, they have like this, who, who am I without Zeke? Who am I without my husband and without my kids? So yeah. it's interesting to tie that in that like, who is Seth on his own? Yeah. And if the thing that is his is taken away from him and he doesn't know, like you said, what his like purpose is and what he loves to do is gone. Maybe that was the, that's the thing of like, what do I do now? Yeah. I've lost like my family and my kids will always be there. They're my family and my kids, but what I do is like, that's on me. I have to take care of that. Yeah. And I 
feel really bad for Sarah throughout this episode because I think figuring out that balance between being supportive and being there for someone who you care about and taking on more responsibility than is healthy for you would be so hard to figure out. And, you know, like I, it made me think of a family member of mine who battled an addiction, not a substance. And they were the opposite. They were very discreet and sort of closed off about it. And like no one knew they were dealing with it, Mm. which in retrospect, I resent because like I, I was denied an opportunity to be more supportive. But at the same time, I am grateful that I wasn't saddled with any of the burden of it. Wow. Well put. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, especially for people who are helpers, like Sarah feels like, I mean, I'm a Capricorn. Sarah's probably a Capricorn. It's like, <laughs> they got to We got to fix things. We got to like solve the problems. And it's like, she probably feels an obligation of like, this is my kid's father. I have to solve this, but I have to find the balance of like not letting it affect my life. Cause if I'm affected, I'm no good to anybody. If I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of anybody else. Yeah. So you've got to find that me time and figure myself out. And then I can help other people and be better at it if I take care of myself. But Sarah's really, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to deal with. God bless her. Yeah. I think that's what was blowing my mind in this episode. I said earlier how divorce doesn't end it. And it makes sense because they have kids. If they Mm -hmm. didn't have kids, divorce really might have ended it. And maybe he wouldn't call her. And then to some extent, I'm like, that feels really unfair that because they have kids, she's the one who has to get him to rehab. And maybe she isn't the one. She just feels like she should be. But Well, and I think there could be a version of this if she just decided my kids are not going to have a father. I'm going to sever all connection. Right. That would maybe be easier. For her. I think she has made a dis Exactly. Good point. Yeah. For her. And And I'm assuming she just feels like she owes them however much of a father he can be. Yeah. So I admire her a lot for doing that because it is, it does make it way harder for her. Yeah. And I'm not even sure, you know, Amber, I don't, it's debatable what kind of relationship she even wants, but Drew, it is very clear that he does. Yeah. And, you know, good for her for trying. Well, and there's still, I always forget too, that like Drew's still a kid. It's like Amber can make her own decisions once she gets to 18 and she's an adult. Like, do I want to have a relationship with my father or not? But like, Drew's still, what, 16, 17? Like, he's still a kid trying to figure out life. And it's like, you're a mother to a young kid. You got to have some kind of help him a little bit. But Yeah. Well, you mentioned it before, Amy. What did you think about this scene with Julia? I'm so embarrassed. But I just don't know who else to ask. And I did look into the state facilities, you know, and... um, There's this big, long waiting list, and I just... And I really do feel like he's ready, you know? He's... He's so ready to change. He's he's so full of hope, and... I mean, he wants to change, you know? He really wants to be there for them, and who else does he have, you know? And I'm supposed to watch him go to jail, or or worse? No. Yeah. No. I mean, he's their dad. We're gonna... We're going to figure something out. Don't say yes if you don't want to, really. Don't feel like you have to do this. No, it's important. It's important. I get it. Of course I'll help. Thank you so much. (laughs) Of course. That scene is probably one of... So I have... I said at the beginning, I have two younger sisters. And 
the older younger sister dynamic to me is always something that I love watching just because of my own relationship with my two sisters. And I have a very different relationship with my middle sister than I do with my younger sister. There's a bunch of different dynamics going on. I was just trying to imagine like if I was in a spot like that and I went to my younger sister, like that vulnerable, that is so tough to do. Like as the older sister, you're like, I'm the one who has it together and they come to me for advice. So to swap that dynamic and for Sarah to be so vulnerable and then Julia to be so like, it's okay. Like I'm, that's what I'm here for, even though I'm younger and I, I'm, that's what I'm here to do and help you. I just love that. That's one of my favorite scenes. I just think both of them played that so beautifully. And it, I don't know, it just warms my heart. I love, you know, I'm partial to my sister. I love sister scenes. <laughs> yeah. Sister scenes. And then just the added complexity that Julia has her life together. Right. In lots of ways, more than Sarah does. And yet I think you're still right that that is true. And she feels some responsibility as the older sister to be that like figure for Julia. And I think Julia feels the same way too. Cause like when they have their fun girls night in season two, Julia says like, Oh, you mean I get to just hang out with my older sister? It's kind of my teenage fantasy come true. Yeah. So she clearly <laughs> does, even though Julia has much more financial success and family stability. Yeah. She clearly still has like an admiration yeah. For the big sister. And I think it's a, that's such a true, like, just in general, a true theme. Like my middle sister lives in her own apartment, works for Netflix, like has for a while. Like she's in on paper. She's like so secure and stable. And like, I've been living in London for three years. I moved back. I'm 31. I live with my parents. Like, I don't really have a solid job. I'm kind of trying to figure out this acting thing. And the dynamic between us is just so interesting because I'm like so envious of her and how stable she seems to be in her life. And then there'll be times where she's like envious of me as a person and there's things that she looks up to it. So, and we don't really talk about it that there's, it's not a lot of like, I really envy that of you. And I envy that of you. It's just like an undertone of our relationship is like, you have a job and an apartment. And she's like, you are like more together like than I am in other ways. And I'm like, I don't, it, it's a weird cross thing that happens with sisters, but I just, I love that. I think Lauren Graham played that so as an older sister. And I know you guys are both younger siblings. Yeah. You guys have older siblings. And it's like, if you can imagine your older siblings coming to you like that in a desperate moment, like I feel like as opening and welcome as you both would be, it would throw you a little like my older siblings a little off That's kilter. True. What I've, do I do? <laughs> I've borrowed money from both of my sisters as an adult. Right. And it's hard to say, like, I wouldn't say I was embarrassed because... I never felt like they were going to judge me negatively mm -hmm. for it, but it, it's certainly humbling, mm -hmm. but I have never even thought about what if they like asked me for money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would, if I had any money, I would absolutely give it to them because <laughs> that's, you know, yeah. how we are with each other. But that's a really good point. It would, it would be like, Exactly. Whoa, the tables <laughs> are turned. <laughs> Hold on. A this second. is not the way things are supposed to go. Yeah. Well, and I'm now just realizing I can kind of relate to this a little bit because I am the younger sibling. I've always been more responsible than my older sibling. And he doesn't ask me for favors very often. I think that would be strange for him. It would be strange for me as well. But it, it is interesting. Like I've I've always just kind of been a little bit more together. And I think he's proud 
which is nice. And I'm proud of him. He's like very kind and loving and everything. But it's an interesting dynamic where I think I have more of the traits of an older sibling and he has more of the traits of a younger sibling, but he's like literally 11 years older. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, what did you guys think of this scene between Joel and Julia and Zeke and Camille? Oh my God, I loved it. (laughs) I have in my note multiple times, I have Joel is a dreamboat. Joel is a dreamboat. Joel is a dreamboat. (laughs) Give the man everything. I love him so much. He's the best. He's the best, you guys. He's the best. (laughs) Well, it was interesting. I was a little nervous when Julia agreed to help Sarah without like talking to Joel. I wasn't surprised. I was just nervous, you know? (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I did think, well, it's probably her money, so maybe that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I also thought like, not that you would ask him permission, but maybe just like, have a conversation that's the pretense of yeah. we're making this decision together. Yeah. Um, but I was let gonna, him know. Let him know. <laughs> let, we're going to be know. giving a bunch of money to Sarah's ex. Um, yeah. But I was really relieved when I when he talked to Sarah at the beginning of that scene and was like, "We're really happy to do this." And I just thought, "Oh, dreamboat." Yeah, just the kindest person. Dreamboat. Yeah, like, oh, I love God, that that was everything. a non-issue. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about the grandparents' attitudes about the adoption? I have in here. I really hope Zeke and Camille are just making bets about things with their kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just like I, before they go to bed at night, they're like, what should we bet on that Sarah's doing tomorrow? And then they like, someone wins the bet. <laughs> just <laughs> love that as a separate storyline for Zeke and Camille, just to keep their lives interesting. Yeah. Why would would be you? fun. Yeah. <laughs> I like that scene. I thought they both reacted really nice. I did love the line, you're getting a baby from the coffee cart. That was what I <laughs> <laughs> I felt defensive of Joel and Julia just, I think, because it was kind of being presented from their side of things. But in reality, I'm like, I think Zeke and Camille are probably right. It does sound (laughs) bonkers what they're doing. Like, Melissa and I keep saying this storyline should not be working as well as it is. I listened to your first, the podcast about the first episode (laughs) this season where you guys were like, this is the story that makes no sense. It's so preposterous. And yet it's wonderful. But it's what's her name that makes it so great and believable. The the Rosa Salazar. Rosa Salazar. She just brings a level of like groundedness to it where you're like, I kind of believe this is going to happen. Yeah. And I do do the, the buy your baby from friends, Caleb. I do that. <laughs> Don't go buying people's babies. I know. It's <laughs> a pretty good Joey. I love it. Ima- immediately what I thought of when I saw that storyline. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I think the points they raised are, are pretty good. And like, even in an open adoption, when you do have a relationship with the birth parent, there usually is an agency involved, I believe. And uh, I mean, I don't understand everything about that legally, but I would expect Julia, a lawyer, to be <laughs> on top of that. And so I I did think it was actually like maybe a nice wake up call. Just like, yeah, get, get all your ducks in a row. Although I also appreciated Joel kind of talking her down and saying, you're not stupid. I'm not stupid. We're not going to do anything stupid. Yeah. I'm like, I wish I could have that kind of confidence in myself because I am such an overthinker and I will frequently tell myself like, Caleb, you're not an idiot. So you probably have good judgment and it never works. (laughs) (laughs) I know I wanted to be like, Joel, but you are doing something stupid. This is not a good, this doesn't quite make sense. Doesn't work, man. But yeah, the point you made Caleb too is like, she's a lawyer. Like, yeah, work out the legal part. Like she even when when Crosby was with um, Jabbar and she's like, 
you need it's like there's legal obligations to you yeah. being his father i'm like okay there's legal obligations to you taking someone's baby julia like come on <laughs> yeah. draw the parallel yeah. i don't man. think a handshake deal is gonna cut it <laughs> and child. now we take your child <laughs> thank you so much bye <laughs> yeah you know the thing that i found fascinating in that first scene with julia and joel and zeke and camille is that julia is so confident with everyone but her parents. Her parents can really make her question herself like no one else. And I mean, Joel never makes her question herself. If they're ever (laughs) arguing, she's never like, maybe Joel's right, even though he's almost (laughs) always right. You know, she just like fights them. But her parents, either one of them, will say something to her and she just starts questioning. and And I think that's fascinating because I think they have a really healthy, good relationship. So I'm not really sure what that's about. And and, and it's in a that's way. That's such a good point. Yeah, I've I never noticed that, but you're totally right. Yeah. That's, she just freezes up with her parents. It's so interesting. In a way that I don't think her siblings do. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, she just will question it. Yeah, so. like when Camille challenges her disciplining of Sydney. Yes, mm-hmm. it gets challenges, in her head. But just like says one little thing or confronting Zeke about the financial help, she's just like, cowering before him but it's interesting you said Melissa because I don't feel like she's like that with any of her siblings like she doesn't cower in front of like Adam Crosby or or Sarah she's like I'm I'm the one that knows what's going on like I'll deal with it all even to her older siblings which is such a strange like (laughs) relationship to have with your older siblings like I'm in charge it's like no you're the baby like be quiet (laughs) (laughs) totally yeah it was something that I'd never really thought about until this this episode when she's like reading the books and questioning it later I'm like If anyone else had said this to her, I don't think she'd be doing this. Well, speaking of Joel being a dreamboat, (laughs) let's just bask in the uh, dreamboatiness. What's up? Sorry. Mom and Dad, Joel and Julia are giving me money to put Seth in rehab. Are you kidding? No. Why? I mean, Dad, this is how I'm handling it. What the hell did they ever do for you? You're kidding, right? I mean, after we talk, Sarah, this what you. You didn't ask you for money? Julie, you can't give this guy money. Zeke? That's enough. I respect that you're trying to protect your family. I understand that. I do. But you have to respect the decision that my sister-in-law made here. You raised two smart, wonderful girls. And this one, I mean, she's opened her heart here. And anytime you do that, it's the right choice. And you know what? Even if you're not comfortable with it, we're going to give money to whoever we want. And we're going to adopt from whomever we want, however we want. And you're going to have to be okay with that. Whomever, whomever. Whomever. Oh, that was... (laughs) Giggle from Melissa. Was he right about that change? Yeah, yeah. We'll adopt from her, not from she, so it's whom. Anyway. The teacher knows. The teacher knows. Just add to the list of things I I like about Joel. I just noticed that he said, my sister-in-law and not your daughter. Yeah. Like, which I thought was really interesting. Like, 
he's connecting it to himself. Like, this is my sister-in-law. It's not your daughter in this moment. She's my sister-in-law. And that's why I'm doing it for her. I just clocked that. I was like, oh, I haven't really realized like why he said that, but that it's like, he's relating Sarah to himself rather than Sarah to her dad's relationship. I did not notice that. I love that. Such a good point. I do too. I always thought that it was kind of clunky language. I was like, why did he I did say too, that? until you just played it again. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a good point. And it's something that I do think Zeke obviously has a problem with. I mean, yeah. he, he views Sarah as his daughter and any other relationships she may have are completely secondary, if not yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nope, she has other relationships with, you know, everyone. Yeah. She and Joel have a relationship. Yeah. He built her a desk. She never uses it. <laughs> <laughs> forgot about the desk oh, it's so sad so did she i was in their whole yard for so long <laughs> montage yeah. after montage that caleb oh appreciated yeah <laughs> i did in this scene just to like be silly i love his beard i mean he's had a beard i think all season yeah and he didn't last season i didn't even notice I'm loving that. that and then the texture in his hair was really nice too dreamboat <laughs> dreamboat dreamboat but then in terms of the content of the scene I loved it. And I loved that even Joel standing up to Zeke is done quietly mm-hmm. and is soft spoken because that's who Joel is. But the impact was still forceful. Maybe more oh, yeah. so. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't really want to see Joel yell at Zeke. I mean, he did it that one time on the roof and then it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> this was not funny at all. Yeah. Seems Zeke responds to that better meaningful. too. Like Zeke responds better to like, quiet seriousness rather than like matching his anger because then yeah. it just escalates and escalates but it's like, yeah then it's just a contest yeah and yeah. when someone comes at him like that he's like he doesn't know what to do so he just yeah because his reaction is anger and loudness so if someone comes at him quiet he's like which Camille does a lot which is where I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah. how does Camille have like the power in this I'm like oh because she comes at him like don't you do <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> and I loved in that scene that Joel also acknowledged that Zeke was trying to protect his family, that this was coming from the best place it could. It just wasn't constructive in this moment. And it wasn't just, oh, Zeke's having a temper tantrum again. No, Zeke is trying to protect his family because that's his job. Yeah. And that another father could recognize that. Yeah, that's interesting. But say, you know, I get that you're trying to do that, but, you know, we're going to do our own thing. My favorite part is the end of that scene. uh, Julia's just a little like, smile like it, just, it focuses in on like the side of her face and she's like hmm. <laughs> a little hint <laughs> that's so love sweet i love it two things i really love um the first one is funny i, I think like sydney is not in that scene and the actress isn't in the episode at all. And I feel like they really bend over backwards to comment on the fact that she's napping. Like they're like, Oh, she's wiped out. She's asleep. Can you believe it? They say it like 12 times. times, It's just so many times. I had to watch that scene like twice because I was like, who are they talking about? Like, is the baby, is Christina there with Nora? I'm like, Oh, they're talking about like Sydney. Like I I just feel like if they hadn't mentioned it, I'd just be like, Sydney's with Jabbar or something. Like, I don't know. But like, they called so much attention to it and trying not to. (laughs) It made me laugh. But I also love, I was going to like, on a more serious note, that, that this Joel speech, he's defending the women in a way that feels like 
progressive and again, non-toxic male, because he's not like, you know, even though he says my sister-in-law, he says it like my sister-in-law is someone to be proud of, you know, like he's not like, I make the decisions around here. He's like, they my make shrinking the decisions. violet of his <laughs> yeah. sister. Right. Yeah, right, yeah. right. I just love that. Like it was all about empowering them. Yeah. It was, it was just really, Maybe that comes from the writer and director of the episode. Maybe it does. Uh, <laughs> nice. That whole table was just all the women and Joel. Coming after <laughs> That's right. He's an ally. <laughs> yeah. You wonder though, if it would be different if like Crosby and Adam were there, if Joel mm. would have said that, do you know what I mean? Like oh. if the, if the, sons were there would he have had the nerve to like hmm. stand up to Zeke that way he might still have had it but that's a it's great int- question though I just don't know you know like I don't know if he's afraid of his brothers-in-law maybe he's not but it would be a weird like dynamic to have them there and then like how are they going to defend their dad but they also probably agree with Joel in a way so, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah how do you play that but the few scenes we get with Joel and his brothers-in-law I think are always super interesting because it's not like you get a ton to work with. It's like yeah. little moments where like, I remember Adam, you know, accidentally having that edible and not realizing he was high. <laughs> I feel like Joel was just really cracking up with Crosby, you know, like there, there are little moments like that, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know what it would be like something serious like that. Yeah. I don't know that we've seen much of that. I mean, just to be totally Chris Farley on this one. I also love the time when they're moving the piano and Joel makes some joke about how heavy it is or that he's not really helping. And Crosby goes, oh, the first time in your life you've ever made a joke. <laughs> you do it while I'm holding a piano. I forgot that. I love their dynamic. All those boys, they're funny. They are. Yeah. It's lovely. So funny. Um, well, let's switch gears a little bit and tell me what you think of this advice that Amber gives to Drew. How do you exactly kiss someone? I should just leave. This is so I funny. should just go. Wait, wait, wait. Is it Amy? Yeah. You're yeah. gonna kiss Amy on the mall? I am, uh, yes. I'm so excited. Okay, I'm sorry. I mean, is she into it? Like, have there been moments that you feel- I feel like, yes. Wow. But That's I can't, great. I mean, I'm not positive. Okay, like, all right, all right. How do calm I down, gauge what's happening? Okay, I can help you with this. All right, I appreciate it. So, first, you know, go kind of like sit next to her or something uh-huh. and put like your leg next to her leg. You know, like, so it's touching a little bit. Man, I can't what? You come to me, you ask <laughs> I know, me, this I is, I'm telling Thank you. you. Okay. That's weird. Okay. Just listen. So just like, if she doesn't move her leg, then she's probably into it. Okay. Uh-huh. So phase two is, you know, you're sitting next to her and you just kind of want to give her a look, yes. you know, and you just kind of yes. keep her eye contact. And if she doesn't look away, you just kind of... I can't. Come on. Oh, man. I know. I'm sorry. It's a lot easier than it seems. Honestly. I'm sure she wants to kiss you, and I'm sure it's going to be great. Thank you. I love them. Mae Whitman's the coolest. I know you guys have said it before, but But I love her. She is. It bears repeating. I love pretty much everything about that scene. I think it's so cute. The way that she teases him, but it's not at all meanly, you know, and he's embarrassed and it says he should leave, but he obviously feels really safe with her. And you compare that to how he feels when, you know, Sarah tries to talk to him about (laughs) April Nardini last season. And, and I feel like her advice to him was just so bad. And I actually thought this was excellent advice, but I'd be interested in knowing what, what you guys thought. Did you, did you think that she was kind of leading him in the right direction? I think so. I think she, I think she nailed it. Also, I think she like tailored it, obviously, 
specifically to him because he's so shy and he's yeah. so like he was she wasn't like move in put your hands around her waist he's like okay here's how it will work for you very calmly sit next to her <laughs> yeah very simply touch the leg she doesn't move the leg you're in lean like it was very specifically catered to like the character of drew how he, yeah. she thought he could handle it which i yes. thought was really cute. well and i know that like right now consent is a big talking point as it should be and maybe some people would disagree with me and say like you should ask you know like like can i kiss you and i think there are cases where that would be fine too but i actually think that the way that amber was guiding him kind of had consent a little bit built in like yeah, you yeah, put your leg next to her like if she moves it away she's not into it don't go on abort 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so i thought that was a really kind of cool way of putting that in there of like body language because remember what he does with april nardini he like waits for no sign and he just immediately <laughs> like goes to kiss her and and it like takes her aback and so this was all about read the body language make sure she's comfortable you'll exchange a look and that will kind of be like the go-ahead i liked that very yeah. much yeah. And especially he didn't even tell Amber that earlier in the episode, Amy was like, please touch me, <laughs> you know, for Massage such an obviously me, made like, up reason. Yes. He's yeah. like, so it's like, yeah, I think she's giving you the go Signals. ahead. Yeah. But yeah. It is very good to like, well, let's be sure. Yeah. 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 I, I slightly <laughs> questioned if a brother would ask his sister for advice on kissing women but I, I got over it pretty fast because I was like, it's it makes so much sense that we would rather have this conversation between two characters we know and love rather than like watching Drew ask some friend we've never seen before yeah. because Braver Marines don't have friends. <laughs> and I also like that we're seeing a teenage boy portrayed as insecure about relationships or sex or intimacy and he, but he's not a loser or a joke, right? You know, it's your scene. Yeah, just nervous. Yeah, just nervous. Well, yeah. It's like, yeah, everyone's nervous. Yeah. So I no. believe I, I agree with you about like a brother going to a sister, but with their relationship, like their brother sister relationship is like so different. I don't have a brother, so I mean, Melissa, you have a brother. Like I, I would and not you have sisters, Caleb. Like <laughs> I feel like the normal brother sister relationship is not like that, but they seem like on a different level. Also, because they've just gone through so much together, like they're yeah. bonded through like trauma traumatic events and everything. Like I I believed that he would go to her of all people. Yeah. I believed it. I totally the only other person it. I would think would be like Crosby. He mm -hmm. might go to, to ask, yeah. but I, I believe it would be her. And Melissa, you're right. It's that trust. Who does he trust the most? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Amber. Totally. And she probably gave much better advice than I think a guy would, you know, <laughs> Crosby would. Yeah. Crosby would be like, what's your, what's your hangout, man? We're cool guys. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Adam would be like dance and yeah. then she'll get the fever and then you'll. <laughs> oh, fever. Yeah. I was so happy for Drew. At the end, I was thinking of, I think her actual name was Holly, April 19th. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's just, it went so much better than that. And that also kind of reminded me of Hattie and Steve, oddly, but here was my connection. Hattie and Steve were an immature relationship. And then Hattie's next relationship was with Alex, and it was much more mature. Yeah. Drew's kiss with Holly was really immature. It was like childish. But now he's grown up a little bit. He's learned a little more. And this time it went a lot better. And I was just thinking like, 
that's how growing up works. Yeah. You know, it is kind of trial and error. Like, (laughs) what did we learn from last time? Hey, ambushing her out of the blue really doesn't work. (laughs) Maybe you need to go into it with a little more information. How did it go this time? Much, much Much better. Much better. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, and also, if we're talking about siblings asking other siblings for advice on things, this seems light years more plausible than that episode where Adam asks Sarah, like, do you have fake orgasms? That one, I'm like, whoa, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So this feels like maybe more. But even in that scene, I'm like, if he wanted to talk to a woman about that, who would he go to? That's Other than like, it's like sexual harassment if you go to anyone else. You're like, your options are Julia, Camille, or Sarah. So you- <laughs> I think he went with there the right no person. There are no other women in Berkeley. Like, there's no other women you would ask. Not that you can ask about orgasm. No. Yeah. There was Karen at TNS. That's <laughs> that is- With the edible. Yeah. Oh, my God. Speaking of so funny. Hattie and Steve, though, I just want to toss this in. Hattie was not in the previous episode. I mean, she was in the hospital room at the end, but she didn't speak. But so still, the last that we've seen of her before this episode was her being dumped by Alex. And while it may not sound like great television, I think it would have been nice to actually see her dealing with her first significant breakup. Mm. And like, I feel like TV often glosses over that phase, but it can be so formative. And like, I know... Amy and I are both big Friends fans. Melissa and I are both big Friends fans. And Melissa, I know you always appreciated on Friends, Monica having to get over Richard. And that I it thought was that was like, done so well. It was not just like... Jam. Okay, she had to make a lot done. of jam. She's yeah. got to jam it up. Yeah, that there were like <laughs> multiple... So much jam. Steps to it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And... Because um, I feel like that almost never happened on Friends. Yeah, like, what are the other storylines of like someone getting over someone? Unless it was another yeah. cast member, they were just over it by the next episode, yeah. I feel like. The Kathy stuff, like oh, stuff with yeah. Joey and Chandler and Kathy kind of dragged out a little bit. But yeah. yeah. No, you're right though. Those like dealing with the significant breakup you don't really like see the what's the fallout of it monica's was much more intense yeah and especially as a teenager with your first love yeah i I don't know and maybe there's more to come i honestly don't remember but there was like no mention of alex in this episode yeah i find that disappointing i think i don't even need like a big storyline but maybe like some acknowledgement like a line even just one line about it and yeah. i didn't even realize i wanted that caleb until you mentioned it so yeah, same, same. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean when i was that age though i mean like yeah it seemed like it took her a lot longer to get over steve although of course that was the betrayal of of amber and amber yeah, yeah. yeah. so that yeah. that's i mean it was not a dramatic ending really with with Alex he just you know moved on he didn't sleep with her cousin but when i was you know that age breakups were unbelievably painful i think because i didn't really have the understanding for how to deal with it like i mean i remember the first time someone broke up with me i felt like i might die um and and <laughs> it sounds almost funny now i'm like like you know like I'm making fun of myself, but no, I mean, I really felt so much pain. I was like, how do people survive this? And, you know, it was like just a few months. It was a very short relationship. It wasn't like anything major, but in my head it was. And I didn't know how to contextualize it. I didn't know, oh, you just, you process it, you get over it, you'll be okay. This is not the person you're going to end up with. It doesn't matter. But that's not how I felt. And so, yeah, it might be nice to see Hattie really struggle with that. Yeah. Anyway, 
as we said, this is Nora's first time at home. What did you guys make of this line about the baby? She looks just like you. You think? She doesn't look anything like you. That's for sure. What? I wrote in my notes, Camille. That was so unnecessary. And then she looks at Adam, Christina, and she's like, honey, what? Can you get the hell out of the house, please? What's going on right now? I did not know what to make of that, except they do hint at like, a less than stellar relationship between Christina and Camille. Like there are like interesting moments, like in the episode where Adam dresses crazily to meet Mr. Ray. Um, and he's like trying on all those clothes. And that was the last episode. Oh, was <laughs> What? Really? Yeah. Cause he misses the birth. Remember? Oh yeah. yeah. The previous the- episode. Wow. Gosh. Oh my God. I don't know why I forgot. That was the very last one. <laughs> in any case, like, it's bonkers. You remember how Christina's like, I didn't get you that shirt. I think your mother got you that shirt. Yeah. Right. yeah. And so like, is it a tit for tat? Like, is there like a little thing? Or is that just mothers-in-law and daughters-in-law? But like, it, it felt kind of cruel and it didn't feel in character for me, like with Camille. Yeah. That was the biggest thing. Yeah. It did not feel like something Camille would say. I was like, that's just, it, it did feel kind of cruel. I was like, I don't know yeah. what you're trying to do, but it's kind of, it feels like a dig. Like, yeah. I, for what Certainly reason? Certainly insensitive. Like, yeah. She's just got home from the hospital. Give her a minute. There, I did also write in there, like, if I were Christina, I would have exploded. Why is everyone in my house? Yeah. Why is she looks camera so in my tired. One of my favorites is when Adam finds out about the CeeLo Thub and he hugs her and she just goes, I'm so tired, honey. Like, there's just no emotion. <laughs> right. Like, get everyone. I'm so tired, honey. Get everyone out of my house. I laughed at that. That uh, was so funny. Uh, I also love, if anyone's listening closely, when Camille makes that dig, Oh, Adam, she looks just like you. You can hear Zeke go, well, that's a shame. Ah! <laughs> and I was like, good. At least, at least someone is like. Well, maybe it was a compliment. In a roundabout way, <laughs> sticking up for Christina. Yeah, a compliment to Christina, but a dig on the baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Right. You're pretty, Christina, but unfortunately your baby is as ugly as your husband. Like, was that the, what was that? <laughs> was, that the, was that the line? Like, Maybe she just really didn't think the baby looked like Christina. And she was like, someone's got to say this truth. I I did appreciate how tired they showed Christina Bean and how the house was messy and she's not as put together, although she still looks pretty. I mean, gorgeous. Like, yeah. And like, I don't know, obviously, what that's like personally, but I was just with my sister, Lindsay, three weeks after her newest baby was born. And like, I mean, there's just, first of all, the physical toll on your body of the pregnancy and the delivery. So your body has to recover from that. And then there's the baby schedule, which is, you know, erratic and nonstop. And then she has other kids to care for on top of that. And then the whole house to run this infestation of Bravermans that, you know, that's what it is. Kitchen. That's yeah. what it is. With a camera in her face. I love like, how yeah. she looks like she's, she's going like... to murder them when she looks in that camera. She's yeah. like, what the hell? I have a comment on Monica Potter's face. I'll have to comment. I keep yeah. going. <laughs> oh, and then just then with one spouse gone, yeah. you know, you're shouldering all of that. And then just starved for human interaction. Like when she calls him at the studio that one time (laughs) and she's like, can you come home? It didn't even, I loved it because to me, it didn't feel like a guilt trip at all. It felt like I haven't seen anyone except this little crying, pooping (laughs) 
Yeah. She even says she's pooping Thing, a lot. She's, yeah, that can't <laughs> speak. <pooping> a lot. <laughs> and I need to talk to another adult. Yeah. Also, I need to get some sleep. I mean, and I loved, while I'm just rambling, let me say the last thing I loved. It was very small, but when Adam does come home at the end of the episode, I loved seeing her just immediately pass Nora off. Yes. And then I also loved that she told Adam, Nora needs to burp, and he just does it. Yeah. I have a little pet peeve of men in film and TV being portrayed as completely inept with Mm -hmm. children. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Adam has two kids already. He would know how to burp a baby. And I liked that there was no fanfare around that or no like, "Uh uh-oh, can he do it? Of course he can do it. Yeah. Yeah. He can curl up with her and nap. He knows how to handle a child. But anyway, I also love just that teamwork of like, here you go. Yeah. Tap out, partner, you know. Adam and Christina will forever be my favorite couple on the entire series. But they their relationship, I love so much that she did that and he didn't put up a single fight. Right. Yeah. He was just like, I know this is like what I have to do because I've left her here by herself. I will take this baby. And then he even says, like, honey, go get some sleep. Like he knows what she needs and he's like, go do it. Like no fight. Know that he's exhausted because he's probably really tired too. But he's like, whatever I've been through, she's been through more, go. Like it's an immediate understanding, which is And he probably missed, you know, he has a new baby too. And he's gonna get to see it. Yeah. I laughed at the exact way it happened, where he's like, in the mode of like, gonna, I'm going to tell her the success story with CeeLo Green. You know, he's like, I think it's going to work, honey. She's like, that's great here. And then like, yeah. leaves like, I can't, I can't hear this right now. I have to go. Her exhausted tone throughout the whole episode. I thought she just did such a good job of maintaining the same level of just like zombie like behavior. Yeah. <laughs> like she had this same like face and zombie thing, but everything, even when he's like going to the studio, she's like, I'm so happy for you. I love to see you like this. I'm happy to do it. Like every. <laughs> <laughs> delivered with this like I need tequila I need a drink I'm gonna kill myself like that uh, same tone it's really great but she's like I just love oh Hattie I'll read your paper just leave it on my bed everything's gonna be fine I was like are you okay Christina yeah <laughs> what can there was I do a deleted scene on the DVD from this episode and it was just a like chaotic breakfast time scene with Christina and Max and Hattie where Christina promises to read the essay yet again I liked that conflict with Hattie because it felt really small in in a great way. Like it was just, they needed a very small example of how their lives are changing. And I liked that it didn't get super dramatic. I really liked that Hattie wasn't even going to tell her mom about the paper. Like she just said, just so you know, I'm going to send it. So it wasn't like Hattie saying, mom needs to make more time for me. It wasn't like that. It was more like, oh, this was why I didn't ask her. I didn't want to get my hopes up and be disappointed. And it didn't feel like she was being bratty. She was just like disappointed, but knowing maybe she didn't have the right to be. And it's, I, yeah. I liked yeah. the nuance of all of that. Yeah. I really loved the resolution of that storyline too. Just very sweet. I read your essay. We don't have to talk about it. It's fine. It's awesome. It's really, really awesome. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. You should be really proud of yourself. Thanks. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I feel good about myself. Do you have notes? I don't really have any notes. No. Not a note. Not even one. It's that good. I'm sorry it took me so long to read it, you know? It's okay. Sorry that I got upset. I guess I just miss you a little bit. 
miss you too, kiddo. Oh, babe. I love you. I love you too. A lot. Ugh. Just, I love it. I, I will say yeah. the line when she comes in and she's like, mm, I'm awake, I'm just laying here. I was like, that's a line I've literally said to my mother so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awake, I'm just laying here. But that for me, like when she says, I just, I guess I just missed you. I was like, that is enough for me to be like, their relationship is fine. Their yeah. relationship is solid no matter what. Like when you have the vulnerability as a teenager to tell yeah. your mom, like, I just missed you. You don't like, teenage girls don't really yeah. say that to their mom a lot. No. So that was enough for me to be like, no matter what happens with Max or Nora or in their lives, like Hattie and Christina are, they're fine. They're always going to be fine as long as they communicate, which is, I love it. They're, they're one of my favorite parent child relationships too. I love them. I just love Christina guys. Especially considering <laughs> they're often very contentious. Yeah. Like they, you know, they have big fights. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think it is like, it's all underpinned with, they really love each other a lot. Yeah. And I think like each other. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's important too. Yeah. I'm always really blown away by how much they resemble each other. Like I always think that's one of the yeah. more believable uh, casting situations is mother and daughter. I think they look a lot alike. And father. I feel like if you were to do like that Conan O'Brien, if they mated <laughs> between get, at, uh, Peter yeah. Krause and Monica Potter, I think Sarah Ramos look a lot like, yeah. <laughs> yeah she'd pop out. <laughs> that scene also made me think of the movie Parenthood. Because Adam curled up with Nora, his brand new little baby, and then Christina curled up with Hattie. And it reminded me of that Jason Robards speech at the end where he says, your children never stop being your kids, whether they're a week old or 17. Those are their babies. And yeah. I just thought it was so sweet. That is sweet. Yeah. Here's just like a funny note that I did not notice while watching, but while you were playing it, um, I totally think Christina really did read Hattie's paper but listening to it again I'm like she totally could have lied she was like it's yeah. awesome I have no notes <laughs> like she didn't you could totally believe that she didn't read it because she said nothing specific she's like yeah. it's great really <laughs> don't ask me why a mother would never say that a mother would never say that a mother will always have notes yeah. always have notes I, always I kind of thought the same thing like she even like had a red pen when yeah. she was napping on it. And I'm like, if she had no notes, she might just be like, I give up. I'm just going to tell her. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even my mom's a writer and I used to ask her to like help me with papers all the time in high school. And like, she can't help herself in mm. like changing paragraphs. And I used to like have to hand her a paper and be like, can you just change the grammatic errors? Like yeah. grammatical errors. That's all I need you to do. Okay, sure. And then I'd come back with like X's and move this paragraph here. And I'm like, <laughs> a mother can't help herself. She yeah. wants it to be like perfect, perfect. Like, there's just no way that Hattie's paper is completely 100% send it to colleges. Let's go. Yeah, that's funny. A little fun fact, the song that was playing under that scene and that whole sequence was When the Sun Gives In, which is by Allie Grant and, ta-da, Miles Heiser. Oh, oh interesting. They were a duo called Herve. And Herb. that's their song. That's I had them no idea. And, and they that wrote just, it. That's so cool. I didn't know yeah. that. So if you hear the man's voice, that's Drew. That's Drew. Just singing along. Let's discuss CeeLo Green. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. The synopsis you said when you said his name was the perfect yeah. tone. CeeLo Green. Oh. Although I do want to say, you know, for them to be making a big deal out of him at the time. Yeah. He was big. He is best known, I think, for... 
two songs, Crazy, which was Gnarls Barkley, which he's half of that group, and Fuck You, which radio, on the radio is Forget <laughs> You. Yeah. yeah. That was just released the year before this episode. So he really was at the height of his fame. And I think he was okay. on The Voice at that point. So it was like an NBC crossover situation, too. Oh, I think. That, that makes sense. sense. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. I will say to his credit, I was impressed with his acting, honestly. I thought yeah. he did a pretty good job yeah. for being seen. He Green. sounded great. Yeah. yeah. You know, for sure. I think yeah. if I didn't know any of this terrible stuff that's come out about him in the 10 years since this episode. I liked his storyline a lot. Like I thought it was super interesting that they were so insecure about starting this and not being ready that they didn't, it didn't even occur to them that he might be insecure about his performance and not, mm. you know, I thought that felt very human and cool. Cause sometimes people tend to, um, Oh, when someone's famous, they just like get, what do you call that? Um, Oh gosh, Adam even says that, like it. nothing can go wrong for them, right? Uh, star- yeah. Starstruck. Yeah, Adam even says yeah. I was a little starstruck, and so yeah, it doesn't occur to them that he's like a person with vulnerabilities, and so yeah, I think the only tricky part is I, I had to look it up because I was like, I know there's something messed up about CeeLo Green, but I can't remember what it was. Well, at the time there was not, at least that was right. public knowledge, but. In October of 2012, he was accused of sexual battery by a woman he had dined with. After a long investigation, the L.A. District Attorney's Office declined to file a charge of rape of an intoxicated person, (sighs) citing insufficient evidence. But ultimately, CeeLo Green pleaded no contest to one count of furnishing ecstasy and was sentenced to three years probation, 360 hours of community service, and 52 meetings of either AA or Narcanon. Also, there were like lots of very vile tweets. That's what I really he, knew. In which he um. was like, if you're unconscious, then that is consent. And I mean, I'm I'm paraphrasing and perhaps not entirely accurately, but it was kind of that. He said level if you rape, like, yeah. if you're raped, yeah. you remember it. Like, yeah, it was really yeah, troubling. Just stuff like oh, oh, the love don't. of God. Yeah. Just, yeah. Good God. But, you know, at least Parenthood (laughs) hired him before there was anything like that. I think sometimes about Gilmore Girls and when they had Norman Mailer on. I didn't know anything about Norman Mailer, um, but (laughs) I listened to the podcast Gilmore Guys, and they were talking about how Norman Mailer had apparently, like, tried to kill his wife, like he'd stabbed her. It was like at a party. There were lots of people around. And when people were trying to like call 911, he was like, let the bitch die. And that was <laughs> decades before. That was prior before, to, was prior to <laughs> Amy Sherman Palladino being like, you know who'd be cute to have yeah. on? <laughs> Norman Mailer. Like, I don't know. And so you can cut that if you find that inappropriate, yeah. Caleb. But, <laughs> but I do think like, fascinating i mean you know something like this you can't know that something's gonna happen in a year i I don't fault the show at all it's just like interesting and enlightening to talk about it in the 10 years since but yeah sometimes people are like i don't care and they just have someone on yeah (laughs) watching a true crime documentary this norm Norm mailer guy seems good let's bring him on on. (laughs) so 
Anyway. Yeah. The whole concept of CeeLo Green was funny to me. I guess he was big at that time, but like, I did not believe that Camille and Zeke knew who he was. (laughs) I just didn't believe it. And Camille is like, CeeLo Green. I'm like, you don't know who that is, Camille. Get out of here. Go listen to Jefferson Airplane. You have no idea who that is. Come on. For some reason, it struck me as hilarious as well. Like, I really, I enjoyed when Hattie was like, all right, I'm going to go say what's up to CeeLo. (laughs) That was the appropriate level of reaction, I thought. Yeah. That was good. Adam throughout the whole thing, too. I just have, like, Adam, you nerd written all over here when he's like, good to see you, gentlemen. How you doing, CeeLo? I was just like, Adam, just be chill. Don't try and be cool. It's fine. You were shredding it, I think he said it. Oh, that wince so hard. Don't. Oh, God. Well, CeeLo was there to record a tribute to Jerry Ragavoy. Just want to let everyone know that's a real person. I, would, a I real Googled it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. See, yeah. you know, I'm not the only one. Yeah. Um, and he did. He passed away on July 13th, 2011 at the age of 80. So he had just died. I thought they did a good job of incorporating that into the story. Once I saw, oh, that's a yeah. real thing. And he wrote a piece of my heart. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, his other big hit, at least the one that I recognized when I was looking at his songs, was Time Is On My Side. Mm. He wrote that. So let's let's hear a little bit of one of these Adam and Crosby scenes. You know, I, I, I got to admit, I, I was a little starstruck. I mean, CeeLo Green was here. CeeLo Green oh, really? you were was standing right here. We've got to ask him if he'll I mean, let us have a photographer in here because we've got to get some pictures of him up in the lobby. Wired up? Are you kidding? This two-inch machine is 60 years old. This, well, this one's probably exactly what they're looking for. Old. They're looking for this right here. Yeah, right? This is what's going to deliver that classic sound. You that... can't just will this to work. All right, I've okay. done it. I know what I'm all talking right, take about. Take a breath, all right? We have to give the customer what he wants. If CeeLo wants it, we give it to him because he's got to walk out of this place loving it. Yeah, I know. All right, so what do you need me to do? Let's make a list, prioritize. What's the first thing know, that has I'll to happen? Start tearing down Studio A. All right, I'm on it. Ugh, I understand Adam's enthusiasm, but I did write in here a couple of times, like, I feel Crosby so hard. Like, when yeah. I'm working, like, I did a lot of production work for various, like, tours and stuff. And, like, if people were talking to me and being like, how do you do this? Do you need help? I'm like, get away from me and just <laughs> let me. There's also, I worked at a restaurant in London, and you'd have a senior waitress and a junior who was, like, your helper. And my manager started just putting me by myself. And she came up to me at one point and was like, I just noticed that when you have, like, a helper, it's worse. And I was like, it is. Let me do it. I've got it in my head. Like, don't ask me questions. Don't get in my way. Like, let me handle it. You know, I'm kind of the same way because sometimes people will be like, maybe we could team teach. I'm like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) No. (laughs) I also related to it as, like, a creative person. People often have no idea what it takes to actually accomplish accomplish certain things especially things as like quote-unquote mysterious as (laughs) music you know or the arts so they ask for things that are ridiculous like oh yeah we'll just get the room ready for tomorrow right that'll (laughs) just take 24 hours and it's like you don't even know how stupid what you just asked for was and like I as I was watching I wrote down like Melissa this has got to happen with you too where like maybe you write a poem that's like just 10 lines or something and people assume it just, oh, it took you like 10 minutes or something. It's, <laughs> yeah. really, it's really yeah. short. Yeah. Oh, and the really short ones must be so much less work. Yeah. yeah. 
no, you don't know how a poem gets written, do you? Yeah. Any kind of creative thing. Even in the booth when they're recording with Seal and Adam's like, I thought that sounded really good. Like that sounded really good. I was like, get the hell out of the booth. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it was good though, right? And they're like, no, it's not good. It's like, Adam, oh. just go sit down. I can't. <laughs> And I loved the difference between Crosby saying it when Cela's like, I, I I want a different mic. And, you know, Crosby's like, OK, it sounded good, though, which to me was like reassuring and someone who knows what he's talking about. But then yeah. what Crosby said felt very undercut by Adam following it up with way too much enthusiasm and zero knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. When he's like, is this how it always is? Is this normal? And he's like, I don't know. It might be normal for him. It's not normal. Like there's no normal does not exist in the recording industry. Yeah. Like stop. There's it's no case like, by case. Yeah. Yeah. Which Adam feels like is he's so structured in his work. Like this is how a business is running. Crosby's like, you're in the music industry now. This is a different <laughs> animal. Like, Yeah. And I loved that sort of tables turned dynamic between Adam and yeah. Crosby because Crosby's usually presented as the one who doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And, but that's flipped and Adam's usually the stiff unhip one, but he's actually getting along better <laughs> with all of like CeeLo's guys yeah. because he doesn't understand what he's promising them and the yeah. amount of work that it's going to actually <laughs> take. So now Adam's the dreamer. Crosby's the practical yeah. stiff. Just gonna be like, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. And but it's like, like you're on Crosby's turf now, Adam. This yeah. is his field of expertise. Yeah. I, I also just wanted to say, like, I worked on tape a little bit in a class in college. You know, Seal's like, let's record on tape. And, you know, like when people talk about making cuts, you literally used to take the tape out and you line it up in this little thing and you take out a straight razor and you physically cut the tape apart and then you use sticky tape sized to the exact size of the audio oh, tape. Gosh. And then you would tape them together. Oh, my God. And if you didn't tape it cleanly, good luck trying to peel the tape off and do it again and not damage. the. So there's clearly a limit to, like, how much splicing and you editing can, yeah. you can do yeah. on a physical tape. But on a computer where you're just slicing up, you know, digital bits of information – it's limitless. That's crazy. Let's do the yeah, podcast then... on tape, Caleb. What do you think? <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I just want that old sound, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Season four, all on tape. Woo. That's our, It's going to be the new. <laughs> Caleb quits. Oh, let yeah. me sharpen my razors yeah. <laughs> for several tape. reasons. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, real quick, I want to say one of my like laugh out loud moments of this episode. It was in the beginning when Adam's trying to convince Crosby and he's like, Remember that lemonade stand, which I didn't think was that funny on its own. But when he was like, we kicked ass, it was winter. Yeah. There was something about the intensity of those winter. And like, that's true. It no one does winter. that. Like, yeah, that was a in winter. In Cal- but also, it would have been winter in California in Berkeley. So yeah. it would it was Got 60 someone degrees. currently in Los Angeles. The weather doesn't change much around here. <laughs> but I'm glad you really pushed that it was winter, Adam. Glad you hit that point. That's a good point. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, Melissa, I hadn't even thought, though, about what you said about they were sure it was about them and it was actually about CeeLo. Boy, if that doesn't feel like a metaphor for the majority of my anxiety mm. in life. Yes. I'm sure people are thinking something bad about me. I'm sure that I have messed up and they're thinking about themselves yeah. and not even in a selfish Always. way, but just like they're human nature about, way. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. concerned about their own stuff. Yeah. And everyone thinks, Oh, if I'm getting a weird vibe from you, it's because of something I did. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. 
And like, I don't know how many times I have to learn that lesson before it actually sticks, but it's at least one more than however many times it's happened to me. <laughs> I really loved like looking at CeeLo's line with the context of he's upset with himself when they're like, okay, so you, you taken five, you taken a little break. And he was like, no, we're done for the day. And that does seem incredibly harsh from their point of view when they're like, oh God, we've really messed this up. But when you think, oh, he was just really frustrated with himself. He's like, I've done this how many times? And it doesn't sound the way I want it to sound. I think that's super interesting. I don't know. I thought for having just kind of a, you know, (laughs) guest star that we want to talk about, they they really did something with him, I thought. Like, I thought that was kind of an interesting... Yeah. Story. Well, yeah. and his acting in that line too, like back to that, just low Crank's acting career. But the way he, his <laughs> copious, the way he <laughs> delivered that line, I thought like I didn't read it so much as an attack on Adam and Crosby. I sort of saw it as him being upset with himself. I could see how Adam and Crosby took it as like, oh God, he's mad at us. But the way he said it, I was like, no, you can see he's really pissed at himself. He's yeah. really unhappy with how he's doing, yeah. and that's why he knows he needs to step away. So I just thought the delivery of that was really nice, the way he did that. Yeah, it really could come off either way. It was really well, giving yeah, Green make, a lot I of I couldn't make heads or tails <laughs> yeah. of it, which I think is actually a compliment yeah. to, to him. because The incomparable CeeLo Green. CeeLo can act, yeah. guys. Who knew? Oh. Yeah. Man. Well, that's the last specific thing about any storyline I had. It, anyone else? There are a couple. I um, really enjoyed this moment at the very beginning with with Seth and Sarah, where Sarah had told Seth not to smoke in the house, and he doesn't, except when he's pissed at her because she's all like giving him the ultimatum, I noticed that he lit the cigarette right before he left. So it was like a little passive aggressive, you know, like, you don't tell me what to do. Like, but there's no bite to it because he leaves. He does it as he's on his way out. Yeah. I missed that. That's interesting. Yeah. That's I, I yeah. Really a little like, fuck yeah. you. Yeah. 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 I thought it was so well played. It was really yeah. interesting. Going off that though, for yeah. you, at the, at the end, the last scene with the four of them, when he's telling them that he's going to rehab. Yeah. I, I wrote, he's so manipulative as much as I want him to go to the rehab and I want him to get better. But when he says like, as a family, mm. I was like, go fuck yourself. Dude. You're not, <laughs> like as a family go these, you have abandoned these children. You put Sarah through hell. You're not a family. Like they're here to support you and help you. But like, don't try to make this a thing about everybody. This is your shit. Go deal yeah. with it. Fuck off. And oh, I, I love was- that. You just made me so angry with that line. I was like, it's not as a family. You got your own issues. Go deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I also, do you think it was kind of Sarah, I'm assuming, to summon the kids there and not tell them what was happening? Because the kids oh, yeah. did seem a little bit blindsided. Yeah. And yet I can also imagine like, Huh. Would Amber have even come? I was going to say, I don't think Amber would have shown if she told her what it was. I don't think yeah. she would have gone unless Drew begged her. But even then, I think Amber's so done with it that I just don't yeah. think she's given up on him, really. I Yeah, I didn't even think of that. But now I'm like, I think Sarah should have maybe told them on her own since that's their actual family. Uh, you know, like, I think maybe she should have. Oh, good point. Because it makes interesting. it seem yeah. like we're a united front. The way that like married parents who both still live with their children would do you know like 
but I think Sarah has a different dynamic where it's not, you know what, Seth and I are always together. Those kids, they can't turn us against each other. That's not their dynamic. Their dynamic is Sarah and the kids are a unit and Seth's this like outlier that they can't count on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like Sarah said to Amber earlier this season about Mark. She said, you come first. All right. Yeah. You know, she just reassured her of that. I think you make a good point that maybe it would have been better to tell them about rehab just her. It's interesting now you say that too. It's like Sarah opened the door for Seth to be able to say as a family. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, like he took that as like permission to say it because she did this whole, she brought the family together. So he's like, oh, all right. Yeah. We're as a family. That's it. Yeah. Cause he so can't that, summon them. Yeah. No. That's interesting. Yeah. She I has can. powers. He does not have. <laughs> I mean, I, that's yeah, a jokey does. way to put it, but she does. She does. Yeah, yeah. She totally does. Well, and that they're also putting a lot of faith into the fact that this will work. And I know that he does say it'll be a long, hard road. You know, he, he says all the right things, but I mean, they don't know that this is going to to work. And and I, I don't know. I just I don't know what the right thing is though. Do they tell do they tell the kids when he's already there? Like yeah, maybe maybe not, but I don't know. It just she has so much faith in him, which is both beautiful and misplaced and troubling. It's a lot of things, I guess. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, their ages too. It's like if they were little, little, like if it was Sydney and Jabbar, I would say, don't say anything. Just yeah. go, yeah. go and we'll deal with it later. But because they're of an age where they get it yeah, and they understand the gravity of it, I'd almost feel like if you told them after, then they'd be even more upset. Yeah, they would be like, why'd you hide like, this? Yeah. Yeah, like let them in at the beginning to let them know the process of what's about to happen and then they can react in their own ways, but don't hide it from them. Like, And I wonder if Sarah thinks it's going to help him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, to be held accountable just, to his kids. Yeah. yeah. And to, or to think that like, hey, they're on board. They're rooting you on too. Yeah. Either way, she might be thinking either of those, you know, like yeah. don't fuck yeah. up. They know you're there or, yeah. or they're rooting you on <laughs> or maybe a mixture. Yeah. And, you know, this all just drives home. I remember in season two when Seth first showed up, when they had that scene in the hotel oh, so and he good. defers to Sarah and he says, whatever you think the right thing to do is, mm-hmm. I'll do. And she kind of throws up her arms and goes, I don't know what the right thing to do is. Yeah. And I, I sympathize with her so much because there is no right thing. There's only, you know, like, just try something and see if it works and hope that it doesn't make things worse. Yeah. And, like, that's still what she's facing now. Like, should she tell the kids? Should she not? Should she tell them by herself? Should she tell them with Seth? All good questions. Yeah. Yeah. None of them can she know the right answer to. Yeah. Right. So she just got to pick one and go for it. Oh, that would suck. Yeah. <laughs> it would. The only other thing I had in my notes was, does anybody else dance to the credits and pretend that you're in them? <laughs> <laughs> no, but now I'm going to. Dun- it's like, you don't like look in the mirror and like drink it. <laughs> no one else does that? <laughs> No, I do like the full on like Amber, like this move where she puts her hand on her oh, head. I'm like, picturing exactly like, that. I'm just like, wait for it. Like, <laughs> oh, that's the best. Yeah. Now I'm thinking of Joel like putting his arm on the chair. And yeah. Looking, yeah. And then Monica Potter's like laughing over the table and you're, and then Max, like, like I do the whole thing. I'm going to do the tricycle girl who I yeah. think they make it look like it's Sarah, but I'm. Assuming that's not actually I don't actually think any Warren of those Graham videos. I'm trying to figure kids. out who yeah. is the little girl walking in the shoes, not Erica Christensen, because it kind of looks like it kind of does. That's but also good... the video looks too new to yeah. be from yeah. like the 80s, which is when she would have like been that age. But they do a really good job. 
I like the picture of Dax Shepard when he's got the ridiculous, like, yeah. platinum M&M hair. Like, that's yeah. really fun. Yeah. My dream now for my birthday is to have, like, someone put together a sequence of that, but, like, of my family. And then it's, like, our names <laughs> on the bottom. Oh. Just oh. added together our own parenthood openings. God, that's Thank good. You. I like Wouldn't that. Wouldn't that be a good gift if someone, like, did that as a business? Like, send me all these photos of your family and I'll put together a parenthood credit opening for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. You know, earlier you had mentioned that you were pretty sure Sarah was a Capricorn. And I'm like, oh, that made me want to be like, what what sign are all the characters? But I don't know astrological stuff really well, well enough. Well, she turned 40 like not at the Capricorn. beginning of this season. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, what, August or September? Yeah. Christina's uh, a Capricorn. Christina's okay. a Capricorn. For, and Julia might be a Capricorn, too. They're like, get the job done. Like, we're in charge. We're the leaders. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Like that's a Capricorn and also gotcha. like can't let go of stuff, which is also Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's fun. Sarah might be a Sagittarius, which is what my, my lovely sister with ADHD is, which is like more free spirited and like goes around the world and is like very, you know, attention everywhere and a million things going on. I love this. See, I'm not actually interested in what, like, you know, their actual sign is based on what the, you know, like when their birthday falls, I want to know, like, what is oh. their essence? What their- um, personality yeah is. yeah I'll but... make a chart for you I'll, I'll, <gasps> I'll brainstorm some stuff thank and make you a little chart. <laughs> we can post it on social media <laughs> yeah I'll make, I'll make what I think based on their personalities okay I really love Perfect. that <laughs> that's good well my only last question when I was looking over my notes uh so it's kind of funny it's a little out of order I was really torn on whether Adam was being helpful to his family or not I really wasn't strongly one way or the other. Cause on the one hand, I'm like, he is right that if they can land someone who at the time was a really big deal, that would probably get them off the ground. And they're, you know, Christine is very worried about this being a risk and the financial aspect of it. But I'm like, boy, you don't even sleep at home. Like the fact that he doesn't come home at all, that he and Crosby are like sleeping at the studio. I'm like, for the first week of your child's life that felt very intense and so i thought was it a whole week i was it maybe not i thought it was 48 hours a couple days i guess i thought it was like two or three days yeah yeah i guess that's not as bad still a long time yeah Yeah. especially when the baby has just come to the house (laughs) yeah like literally (laughs) welcome home nora peace out like (laughs) and yeah i don't know i think i'm i i don't have a significant other at the moment but in my eyes like adam and christina seem so solid as a couple that like little things can't really bump them too much because they check in with each other so much Mm -hmm. like it feels like their communication lines are just like so open and they're so like if she was genuinely drowning she would say, you can't do this. You need to come home. And he would have come home, I think. I think so, too. Because they, like, communicate so well. And he's like, I know she's okay for a couple hours. I can leave her. And she knows that how important it is. Like, I think because they're so strong and they communicate so well. And they both, I think, want to lift each other up. And she even says in her zombie-like state, like, (laughs) I love to see you this happy. I like to. And I think she means that. I I think think she genuinely is like, I like to see you excited about this. And, like, you're actually passionate about it. And. Yeah, I don't know. I think, is he helping them? <laughs> he, she could probably use a little more help. But I think in the long run, what he's doing, like you said, like he knows that this is a big deal and that this could really generate more business and income, which will help in the long run of of this game for him. Yeah, I do Seems like. ultimately yeah. think that too. I agree. And I, I, it's slightly a different answer, but I was like, thank God Adam was like as naive as he was because Crosby didn't believe they could do it either. And so in a way, I think 
his naivete or inexperience, that might be redundant, helped them succeed on this thing that is going to be really helpful to them, I think. And so that's less about Christina, but I'm glad Adam was like, had that seize the day, (laughs) Yeah, you know, tilt to the windmills kind of attitude of like, we're going to get it done. Yeah. And I think he needed that because he doesn't know this business so well. It's like he needed a real big learning curve, like jump in the deep end to sort of like throw him off to be like, whoa, this is not what I thought it was going to be. So that then he can go forward being like, okay, (laughs) we do need to prep a little bit more. Yeah. (laughs) And he had one little line where he told Crosby, if there's one thing I know how to do, it's work. Right. And I thought, that's true. I believed him. And I think he put his money where his mouth was. You know, I I think when he said, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. He did. I bet Adam did. And it's like, good. Then you you weren't just um, providing empty inspiration. You were really willing to, to do it. To do the legwork of it all. Yeah. It was sweet. And especially coming from Adam, who I think has sometimes felt so entitled and like he should just get whatever he wants <laughs> this was like no 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 he's tenacious and yeah he'll work for it and he's acknowledging that he's not an expert and mm-hmm. i kind of i liked adam a lot more in this episode than i have in a while. well it's like you said caleb like it's crosby's world and now he's in it so it's like he really took that and was like i know i'm in your world like i know i've asked a lot of you but i'm taking your lead on this so whatever yeah. you tell me to do i'll go ahead and I'll be the second in command. Like you like, but let's just go. Let's do it. Let's do it. And let's push each other. So I liked it. It was sweet at the end where Crosby's like, Adam, I need you. I was like, yeah. Oh, oh it just, was oh. so like predictable. And yet I, it got I loved me. it. Yeah, it got me yeah. too. Yeah, it was a really cheesy line, but somehow Dak says it and you're like, oh, Dak. I think it's because yeah. he doesn't have a hint of like sentimentality in it. It's like, why aren't you here already? I need you. Right. You know, like yeah. it, was, it was a great delivery. Like it was sweet, but his delivery undercut the sweetness in a good yeah. way. Yeah. This whole episode I put down had a sweetness and an intimacy that I really loved. Mm -hmm. Like when I just looked at the title and then read the synopsis before I watched it, I could not remember what even really happened. I mean, I saw CeeLo Green's name. It's like, oh, yeah, CeeLo Green was there. I don't really remember what happened. But this episode just warmed my heart. Yeah. And if I know I did notice, I think maybe one recurring theme, which was people caught between two responsibilities like Christina between Nora and Hattie Mm -hmm. Adam between his work and his family Crosby between Adam and (laughs) CeeLo and then Sarah between Seth and Mark Mm -hmm. and a little bit Zeke and then Joel and Julia sort of between Zeke and themselves Yeah. yeah but just that like you can't be all things to all people you have to compromise and strike a balance and that's really difficult you kind of just have to take a stab at what you think the right balance is and then make the best of it yeah Yeah. that's good yeah i I liked this one too i thought it was it was kind of yeah sweet is the right word i i don't know if i would have come up with that word on my own but it really was it was yeah very nice everyone had really good intentions and was following through on those good intentions i think as best as they could yeah everyone was trying really hard Now, Christina just needs a spa vacation and a cocktail and everyone will be okay. <laughs> she really does. <laughs> I loved the little moment when um, she, after she talks to Hattie, she just like lays down on Hattie's bed. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so sad. Yeah. 
Well, Amy, you were just fantastic. Oh, thank you. This was so fun. This was so much fun. And I told Caleb at the beginning, but on record, I have, I watched back from one when you asked me, which was how long ago, Caleb? Cause this will be really telling. I mean, like two weeks. Maybe? Okay. So in two weeks, I've watched five seasons of Parenthood, which is <laughs> yes. absolutely normal. Um, totally <laughs> not abnormal at all. And I'm going to keep going because you have reminded me how much I love this show yes it's so good and there's so much that happens and there's something for everyone and I just it's a comfort blanket it's a comfort blanket I don't just mean Bonnie Bedelia's voice I mean the whole show (laughs) is a comfort blanket yeah so we usually ask people do you want to like you know plug anything you know I'm doing a lot of background work in LA so if you watch the second season of the morning show don't know when that's coming out you'll see me all over that yeah oh that's awesome super fun um and then you can find me on instagram and stuff but i don't do much i do some fun lip syncing things but that's about it that's enough for me (laughs) wait so were you hanging out with like um who is it mark duplass yep and jen aniston and reese witherspoon don't worry about it no big oh Oh, see i didn't know if they were in the control room oh yeah wow oh that's very casual oh my gosh how was that for you friends fanatic that you are she talked Although to you me probably, one day and it was like, you're probably very cool around. I mean, I, I was, people. but with Jennifer Aniston, I was like, I, she walked by and smiled and I had a mask on and I smiled under the mask. And then as she <laughs> walked by, I was like, I am smiling under here. And she just touched my arm and she went, Oh honey, I know it's okay. I would have freaked out. I would have lost my mind. Lost it. Lost oh. it entirely. But yeah, so second season of the morning show and then other stuff. I'll be in the back. I'm doing background stuff. So that is fun. I'm totally going to watch that and Super look for fun. you because I've been meaning to watch the first season anyway. And so it's really good. That's okay, really cool. good. What's Barbara up to? Melissa, <laughs> <laughs> occasionally I work for Barbara Streisand. It's also very what? normal. <laughs> That's awesome. I have not seen her in a while, but I'll plug Barbara. Release Me Too, which is her album coming out, guys. Does she want to ever be on Parenthood Pals? I mean, I'd have to get her to watch Parenthood, but she probably would love Parenthood, actually. She loves dramas. She watches a lot of TV shows and stuff. She she... just watched one episode. You know what show she really liked when I was working for her years ago was Revenge. (laughs) She loved Revenge. And I was like, you know what? A Parenthood might be a good parallel for that. It's a drama. There's family dynamics. You might like Parenthood. I'll recommend it to her. I'll recommend it to her. Try and, get her on board. Try and get her cool. on board. Uh, <laughs> wow. What, what if we were like, we can't get anyone from the show, but we've got Barbara <laughs> here to join us for a rant. Here she is to talk about Bob Little. You yeah. Know? Oh my God. <laughs> Barbara, she'll be talking about all the families. Like, I want to be a Braverman. I love that Craig T. Nelson. He's gorgeous. Like, that'll be what you got. <laughs> yes. If we can't get her, <laughs> let's just get you doing Barbara. I'll do Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, so we should officially wrap it up. Like, you can find us <laughs> online at Parenthood Pals everywhere. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And you can visit us at parenthoodpals.com. Thanks again to Amy. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners. And until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true. <laughs>